top five bigs in the NBA. Let's go. Whenever we start comparing players or teams, I always say balance. Find that middle ground. Because too often when we compare players, it seems like to make your point about player A, you've got to find the flaws within player B. And as great as some of the NBA players are, I mean, we've been talking top five players. Everybody has a weakness. Everyone has a flaw, be it physical, be it skill set, or even mental. Ultimately, let numbers be part of the way you let numbers be a guideline or part of your guideline, but don't let numbers alone help you decide who you think is the better player. I think numbers have a role, but they shouldn't be the end all. That said, my top five bigs in the NBA in this order. Number five, Cat. The Timberwolves are playing 500 basketball. I think as long as Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins maintain what they're doing offensively, they're going to have a real shot at that eighth seed in the West. The downside is, as gifted as both players are on the offensive end of the court, neither one of them really competes consistently defensively. And this is why, as skilled as Cat is, I've got him number five amongst the top bigs because he doesn't really compete defensively. And on offense, it's been proven if you're physical with him, he tends to drift further and further away from the basket, which really isn't a bad thing at times because of all the bigs, Cat is the best shooting big in the NBA. It's not Przingis. If you go on shooting, the true unicorn, that's Carl Anthony Towns. He shoots 50% from the field and almost 46% from three. The problem is he doesn't get stops. And I'm not saying he has to play defense at an elite level. He just needs to compete. He just needs to show some side of physicality. Give an effort. Until he can be consistent on both ends, I'm going to have him number five. At number four is the Joker. The strange thing about the Joker a.k.a. Jokovic, is he's one of the most well-rounded offensive players in the NBA, whether you're a big or a wing. Can score from the paint, can shoot from range, but he should probably be staying more in the mid-range. I think in terms of being efficient, he should be shooting more from 14 to 15 feet. When he goes to the three-point line, he falls in love with it, and he's not a great three-point shooter. He has the same disease that Embiid has. At times, they both will let the defense off the hook by drifting away and shooting from beyond the arc, and neither one of them shoots with great efficiency. As gifted as Joker is, he doesn't play with the mentality of a number one option. Superstar talent, but he doesn't play that way. He gives you just enough. He teases you. I thought coming into this season that the Nuggets were, were ready as a team and Jokic was ready as a player. I thought the Joker was going to take that next leap and become a superstar. 
And he seems to have stagnated. Offensively, he's averaging around 16 points a game, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Those aren't bad numbers. And the Nuggets are still one of the three or four best teams in the West record-wise. But those are not superstar numbers. He seems to do just enough. And I think one of his problems is it's not just that he, he lacks that selfish gene that I'm the man, get me the ball. He also seems to be struggling with his conditioning. His best defense is his offense. When he's aggressive offensively, he gets other front lines into foul trouble. And when he's not, teams will attack him because he doesn't have great lateral quickness. You can put him in pick and roll all night long and you will get whatever you want. Until he improves his conditioning and until mentally he accepts that he is the best player on that team, that everything needs to be ran through him and he needs to be more aggressive and look for his own offense, the Nuggets will always be really, really good but not good enough to contend for a title. And that's why the Joker is number four. At number three, for similar reasons, Joel Embiid. Of all these bigs, Embiid is probably the second best in terms of being dominant in the paint. When he's aggressive, when he's playing with the mindset that no one can stop him, you can book him for 28 points, 14 rebounds, four assists, a couple of blocks. He's the total package on both ends of the floor when he's aggressive. The thing is, at times, he drifts. Too many times, he thinks he's a shooting guard and he'll take six or seven threes. And when you shoot 29% from three or even 31% from three, that's not a good look. To me, those are just turnovers. The strength of his game is his post-up game. Yes, he's very effective facing bigs up from 10 to 15 feet away. I like him at the elbow. I love his footwork. I like the fact that he can score with both hands in the paint, but he doesn't spend enough time in the paint. And at times, defensively, he just doesn't give an honest effort. Embiid and Jokic are very similar in that you see the superstar talent. You acknowledge the footwork and the ability that both players have but they're missing something in terms of being that guy. They're missing something in terms of want to. And I think until both take that next step, if they are ever to take that next step, their teams will always be in contention, but will never be title, real title contenders. They're playoff contenders, not title contenders. And that's why I've got him beat at number three. At number two, it's easy. It's A.D., AD, on balance, can score from the inside, can shoot consistently from the outside. I love his post-up, runs the floor as well as any big, maybe as well as a lot of small players, and he gives you an honest effort on defense. This season, Anthony Davis has a legit shot to be Defensive Player of the Year. He's always been one of the best defenders in the league, but this year in particular, with the Lakers, by the way, now being 21-3, and the best record in the NBA. And this night, AD goes for 50. He dropped 50 on Carl Anthony Towns and the Timberwolves, which goes back to my point about Carl Anthony Towns not 
really competing defensively. And look, AD is a great player. No one can deny that. And he's not an easy cover. But he shouldn't be able to drop 50. If he drops 50, Carl Anthony Towns has to respond by at least dropping 35 or 40. He's got to be in that. That's got to be a competition. And I watched that game, and it was it was a good game, but it wasn't a good matchup. Carl Anthony Towns didn't show up on both ends of the floor. Anthony Davis, a lot of people say, has already established himself as a superstar. They always talk about how he's a transcendent player. I think he's a more refined player than the, the player that I have at number one. I think that he's a more fluid offensive player than the player that I have at number one. But he doesn't have that want to like number one does. He doesn't play with that force that number one does. And defensively, the guy that's number one, the best big in the NBA, he's every bit as good as AD. But what makes him unique is he can grab a rebound and go coast to coast and bang it on everybody on your roster. The number one player, the best big in the NBA, is also the best player in the NBA. That is Giannis, the Greek freak. The leader of the best record in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks, at 20-3. and three. What Giannis has done is he's opened up the floor for his teammates. He's a big, and usually with a big, you put players around him that open up the space so he can do his thing. But Giannis is a unique big because he can generate and create his own offense in space. Not just in the post, not just in the elbow or running the wing, but he can grab a rebound and go coast to coast. Very few bigs, very few small players actually can initiate offense from everywhere on the floor, but he can. And he's still improving. I have to remind people, still working on his jump shot. And guess what? It's getting better. You can tell he puts in the work. This is a unique gym rat. This guy right here wants to be that dude. Not a finished product. There are more skilled players overall. There are more polished players. But in terms of impact, in terms of what they do, how they make a defense react, and what he does himself defensively, not to mention how he carries his team. There's not a better big or a better player in the NBA. So, yes, my top five ends with Giannis at number one. 30 points, 13 rebounds, five assists, a block and a half, a steal and a half. That dude, MVP. I think there are a few franchises that have to make some tough decisions for the future of their franchises with some beloved veterans. With the Spurs at 9-14, and 14, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan don't seem to be part of their future. Even Rudy Gay, who's been solid coming off the bench, is a veteran that would better serve a contender. I think San Antonio, for the first time in years, is on the verge of a real rebuild. They're in desperate need of a franchise player. And, I, and I'm not saying tank, but I think you could move those veterans and maybe get some more picks and set yourself up for the draft. When you look at the Pelicans, 
with all the young talent on that roster, the guy that seems to be out of place is Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday is one of my favorite players. You're talking about one of the top perimeter defenders who can give you 19 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds, shoot a respectable 45% from the field, and 33% from three. He's not a great shooter, but he can score with the best. And I think his most natural position, it isn't point guard, it's two guard. I think a contender would have to really be smart, really consider what Drew Holiday could do for you, not just offensively, but defensively. And if you're the Pelicans, I know you love his talent and he's your best player, but is he really part of your future? I'm a Drew Holiday fan, but I think the divorce between him and the Pelicans helped both parties. That brings us to the Grizzlies, who have two proven veterans, Jay Crowder and, of course, Andre Iguodala, who hasn't played since the season began. Somebody is going to get Andre Iguodala, and that team is going to get a boost in their attempts to become a title contender. That team, when you get someone like that who can defend at a high level and is a big shot maker, it boosts your whole roster mentally and on the floor. He is a coach on the floor as well as a veteran leader. I love what Andre Iguodala brings to any team. He's one of those players. I've watched over the years that when he was the number one option way back in Philly, I knew he was gifted, but I never thought that was a fit for him. He wasn't fit to be the best player. That's that's not his role. But when you put him in a role where he can help your best player, where he can concentrate on what he's gifted at, that's playing defense, that's making plays, he excelled. When he was with the Nuggets, he uplifted that team. When he went to the Warriors, I thought he was the missing ingredient. Then you have Jay Crowder, who's one of the top three and D guys in the NBA. Obviously, Iguodala and Jay Crowder are not part of the Grizzlies' future. But they're both veterans that can help contenders when the playoffs come around. I think they have great value. And when you're a Grizzlies franchise that's rebuilding, to move them and get any kind of pick that can help you down the road, that works for both involved. I'm looking at a team like the Cavaliers. You've got Kevin Love giving you 16 and 10. Still can play at a high level. Tristan Thompson has always been underrated, but he's giving you 13 and 10. Both of them could help contenders in different roles. I think the Cavaliers have to consider moving one or both of these players to secure more assets for this coming draft. I think when you look at a guy like Jamal Murray in Denver, who should be the natural sidekick to the Joker, as gifted as Murray is, he's just too inconsistent. And the truth is, as I've said before, the Joker seems to have no intentions on establishing himself as the guy or as the man on that team. I think the Nuggets are in desperate need of a trade. And I think there are some talented stars, some established stars out there that if they put together the right package, they could acquire them. The Nuggets need, I wouldn't say a facelift, but they need a boost. And I think that comes from making a big deal. You could look at the Portland Trailblazers and you might make the same case. 
as well as Melo has played, and there's going to be good and bad days, but as well as he's played, it's not going to be enough. They've got to make a tough decision. Dame is your franchise player. CJ's a terrific player. But the only guy that has value that you can move, that you would move, that could bring back something would be CJ. Unless they can pull off a deal where they can put together maybe some some tradable assets that, that, that give a team cap space along with some picks, I think Portland's going to struggle. Maybe not. I don't even think if right now the current Trailblazers, the way they look, the way they've played, especially defensively, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And I don't want to see that happen. I'd like to see Dame get back in there because I think Dame is one of the big-time playoff performers in the NBA. That team, more than any team that I've spoken of, they're in need of a facelift. And I don't know who they would put in a package. If you're not going to move CJ, I know you're not moving Dame. So it would have to be cap space and picks. And last but not least, Marcus Morris, who's one of the 73 power forwards the Knicks have. He would be a big boost to any contender. His ability to provide toughness and shot making would be a great acquisition for a team like the Raptors, for a team like the Sixers, who I still think could use more toughness and more shooting. Any team that's looking to contend, any team that's looking to get a leg up on the rest of the conference would take a strong look at acquiring Marcus Morris. And that's in both conferences because I think he has that type of value. Next show, top five coaches in the NBA. And is there another beast in the East that no one's talking about other than the Bucks? It's the Cypher next time.